Hello and welcome to Contemplations. This is part two of the cults and today we're going to be talking about Osho and I am joined once again by Stalios. Hello. And Bodaid. I don't have any funny names for you. I've run out. Although uh, I did want to come up with one. <laughs> but who is Osho? Well, he goes by many different names. He can be known as Acharya Rajneesh or Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh or... Uh, Rajneesh Tranda Mohan Jain, which is what he was actually born as, or later in life, Osho, which is the easiest one to say, and so I'm going to be saying that throughout the whole thing, and that's also what his followers um, today know him as as well. But before I get into anything, let's actually just hear from the guy, and I've picked out um, some of my favourite clips, because the guy does have a sense of humour. You can, Whatever you say about him, he can m crack a good joke, so... Let's see what his uh, demeanor is like, I suppose. Because democracy basically means government by the people, of the people, for the people. But the people are retarded. So let us say, government by the retarded, for the retarded, of the retarded. So obviously that is just objectively correct. Um, but no, the... One thing I, I thought was quite funny here is he obviously doesn't need to pause that long to, to say what he's saying. There's, there's something being put on here, right? It's, yeah, his whole demeanour is performative. It, it does seem like that way. But then nearly everyone's is at nearly all times. Mm -hmm. um, it's just obviously, well, to me, you've picked up on it, and also to me, for him, mm -hmm. it's just massively dialed up. Yeah, I think with any nearly any sort of guru type person or any sort of cult leader, that's gonna be part of it. They're kind of living up to their expectations to a certain extent. I think people mm. expect him to act in a certain way, and I think he may well have just been reacting to <coughs> their expectations. There's a thing where um, Jacob, Doctor Jacob Bronowski, used to do it. Uh, he used to, he did the documentary series in the seventies, The Ascent of Man, where quite often he'd pause before saying something. In a few interviews, you can find him where he's asked a fairly deep question, like the meaning of science or something, and he'll pause for a moment and sort of formulate his answer and then come out with an answer. That, to me, seemed a really authentic thing, mm. whereas that's not really authentic. He knows what he's going to say, and he's pausing purely for effect. Yeah, you, the, the structure of what he's <coughs> saying there, you've got to have in mind what you're going to say before you say it. Because, yeah, it's a line, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's something that's got the, the fingerprints of being pre-planned all over it, in, in my view. It's quite funny, and there's a, almost mm. really, like you say, comedy timing involved in it as well. Yeah. Right? What do you think, Stelios? I'm going to be a bit more harsh, and I'm going to say he is uh, very performative. Uh, all of this seems to me to be an act, and I wouldn't say that everyone is performative in, in, the, in that sense, because, you know, the, the term would lose its meaning. If everyone is, then it doesn't make sense. It doesn't characterize 
things or you could talk about degrees of performativeness but i would say that this is this is very performative action and uh, he's taking unnaturally long pauses usually people who make pauses when they speak and they speak a bit more slowly they are seen as somehow more magnetic because it shows a kind of confidence a kind of imperviousness to the let's say pressure that people feel when they are speaking publicly that's why when people speak very very fast it shows a kind of uh, let's say how sh how should we put it sometimes it shows a kind of diffidence it's it shows as if you know i just want to get it out and i want attention out of me so he seems to me that he's very clever but he, he is a lot there's a lot of performativity into it and as we, i'm sure as we'll go along i'm going to be a very harsh critic of him okay i would yeah. say one thing that his actual point he's making regardless of sort of the his tone and intonation and his pauses and the whole performance the, the, the degree to which he's performative the actual point he's making i don't agree with at all i kind of hate that thing when people say the vast majority of people are stupid or retarded but no they're, they're really not actually yeah. there's a big chunk of people if you're talking about million a body of millions of people yeah there's going to be a big chunk of them that are very stupid and uninformed yes but most of them aren't most normal people are yeah. not idiots i agree with I, you I hate, entirely i kind of hate that view i agree with you entirely and i think that the kind of structure he had in his in his ashram that's how they were call it and then rajnish puram that they built in oregon manifests precisely that he just thought he was so blindingly better than everyone and everyone else was an idiot now perhaps i don't know maybe he was warranted to believe that with a with the people who would give all his money to him but as as i said i think that he was making them feeling special feel special and that's what all these you could say latest messages are supposed to be like they are supposed to address an audience and even if you say basically everyone is retarded mm. you are somehow giving the impression you're singling out your audience so he was telling to that audience who were members of that let's say thing of that organization that you are basically the elite you are mm. the you are the special ones yeah by definition yeah. you're not yeah and i'm you the and special I of the special because we're yeah. here now right yeah. yeah no that's a fair point so there's another clip here as well um and this is him talking to an interviewer roughly about what he's about because the the context is that um we're going to talk about this later but he got a bit of a reputation um, in india he got nicknamed the sex guru for saying that the the stand um indian views towards sex should be a bit more free than they were and this was in sort of the 60s so you know it's kind of uh pretty run of the mill stuff for the 1960s you say that love is a liberation but your enemies and critics maintain that uh, some of the practices that uh, the movement is encouraging seem to be inspired more than Mr. Efner of Playboy than by a spiritual leader. What, what is your reaction to this? I'm a spiritual Playboy. <laughs> That's all of his followers in the background, by the way, laughing. Is there Sick something wrong? <laughs> I call myself Zorba the Buddha. And that's my whole life first. 
to bring Zorva and Buddha closer. I don't want the dichotomy of the spiritual and the material. I want the spiritual and the material as one whole. They are. The division creates an schizophrenic state in humanity. And all the religions are criminals in that sense. They have created a split in man. Your body is separate, your soul is separate. You have to fight with the body, you have to remain celibate, you have to fast, you have to torture the body. The more you torture, the more spiritual you are. To me, this is simply garbage. Just nonsense. There is no need to torture the body. Because the body and the soul are not two things. Existence is one. Body is the visible soul and the soul is the invisible body. But it is one mystery. Don't divide it and don't make a conflict between them. So when I say spiritual playboy, I am not just joking. That's my basic standpoint towards life. What is wrong if Buddha is dancing in a disco? It looks so beautiful. A beautiful girl. And why Buddha be afraid? Is not his meditation strong enough that he will be pulled towards carnal lust? Is he afraid of falling back from his enlightenment? then he is not enlightened at all. Because there is no way to fall back. Once you attain, you cannot fall back. There we go. Sorry, I'm about to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. He, yeah. he talks so slowly and he has the shh sort of sound when he yeah. speaks. I think that's deliberately he's put on. trying to hypnotize the audience. In a sense, he is, because he's got that sort of cadence and delivery. And the thing is that I don't actually disagree with the content of what he's saying there. He's basically saying that yeah. mind-body dualism is incorrect, that body and, and soul are the same thing. Like, I felt like he wasn't saying anything. 
Really? I was waiting yeah. for him to make a point of, of any type. Yeah. I was like, there's just, okay, there's some <laughs> some some pseudo wisdom. Okay, mm -hmm. now say something. Yeah, well. Oh, okay, you're not saying anything. All right, he's okay, he's got put it, it got in it. terms in which that it make, it wraps it up in sort of spiritual language. But basically he's saying that he doesn't believe the, the mind and body are separate and therefore you shouldn't neglect the body. Um, you should, you know, enjoy the world if and worldly pleasures. If you off the back of the question that was asked, if you're saying anything, he's just in a roundabout way trying to justify having a harem for himself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, if, if anything's being said there, that's what that is. Mm -hmm. He's always been of that sort of mind. I don't think he's necessarily some sort of hypocrite who has ever preached, say, abstinence or things like that. Um, I'm not not defending the guy, you know. I'm, I'm not a believer. In... He was consistent in his lecture. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. It's the, the old Norm Macdonald joke of, at least he's not a hypocrite. <laughs> right, yeah. But, um, but yes, you get a, a measure of his sort of persona and delivery and... The way he gets asked the question and then kind of looks at his hand and things like that, there are things that he's clearly um, coached himself to do to a certain extent to make himself appear more wise. These sort of, um, I don't know what to call them, mannerisms, I suppose, where it makes him seem like he's almost inhuman, but in a way that isn't sort of too obviously engineered, if you will. <clears throat> yeah, there's loads of things. There's a whole science to it. Like I see him like doing this and stuff, as if he's holding the world in his hands and all sorts of things. There's a whole science to that. I mean, if you ever watched Tony Blair, he'd like do this a lot. Now let's make the point. Like there's lo there's whole there's a whole really is a whole science to how to deliver things and be convincing and stuff. Um, all sorts of mannerisms and tone and things to seem more convincing. Um, yeah, and there's all sorts of ways of doing it. You can be sort of very aggressive, or you can try and appear to be sort of super enlightened or something. Um, um, I think you were right, uh, Stelius, when you said there's, when I said everyone's sort of performative and you're like, well, let's say to degrees because otherwise it wouldn't have no meaning. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, I try to never be performative and yet I sort of also know I am on some level without helping it, without being able to help it, right? Well, um, it's you, unconsciously you you just do things that um, you have been programmed to do in, in many ways. Right, yeah. Your, your social behavior, because it's so integral to human beings, you can't control all of it. Like I, I find sometimes, I was talking about this yesterday actually, just um, out of the blue, mentioning that if you have empathy for someone, you start mirroring their speech patterns to a certain extent. You don't consciously do it because if you are consciously copying how someone speaking it might seem really condescending and, mm. and rude and so <laughs> you don't really want to do that particularly if you're say adopting sli a slight tinge of their accent well mm -hmm. that's going to sound really disingenuous it sounds like you're mocking them have but, you ever used an obscure word and later in the same conversation the other person uses that word uh, it happens quite <laughs> a mirroring. lot yeah <laughs> right mirroring yeah i mean i like to think if you met me in real life in a pub i would come across i'd be pretty much exactly the same as i am in front of camera more or less I've like deliberately tried to do that. Uh, but some people you find in different contexts, they're like completely different. And they speak, their speech patterns and things are sort of very different. I think um, um, it also depends on what's expected of you in the, the situation at hand. Mm, like mm. when I'm on camera, I, I take the job 
quite seriously. I don't want to misspeak and give people wrong information. I don't want to mischaracterize what I believe. And so I carry myself a bit more seriously than I would outside of a studio. Like if you were to compare that to me at, you know, a, a gig where I'm seeing a band I really like, you know, it's going to be night and day. I'm going to be fun loving and, and having a great time as opposed to being quite stern serious and, and trying to get to the bottom of things. Like, uh, even in a, as an individual person, there's a sort of wide degree of um, difference. For some people, it's really, again, sort of dialed up, isn't it? Um, so for him, I feel like it is really, really, for Osho, it's really performative. Nobody's like that. Like you said, Stelios, the unnecessarily long pauses for gravitas or something. Let's try and give the impression of gravitas anyway. Um, and all the hand movements and things. And so I, I feel like the very studied sort of raise of an eyebrow sometimes or all, all sorts of things, like the widening of eyes to make a point on all sorts of stuff. Um, it doesn't seem natural. There's nothing natural about it. It's not just flowing. It's not just him. Yeah. It's like it, it really is an act. It's but, also uh, a, a sort of um, wrong-headed impression of what enlightenment looks like as well. <laughs> because if someone's enlightened, surely they would be able to speak quite fluently and clearly like they would be the best speaker yeah, ever yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. rather than having to pause and take ages to say something that someone could have said much quicker. Um, it, it's just, it's almost like a human um, embodiment of the sunk cost fallacy. If he takes ages to say something, well, because I've been sat here waiting for him to say it, it must be at least somewhat worthwhile because people don't want to feel like they've just been sat there listening to someone who was saying something worthless because they've already put enough time in listening to him say a single sentence. But people seem to have very much bought into it, right? Because I've seen a few of his followers say things like, uh, when I was in his presence or when he spoke, it was like there was a God in the room or, or the, his, <laughs> his energy, his presence was, it was divine. And uh, there was something supernatural, superhuman about him. I knew, I just knew deep down in my gut, in my soul, that he was not of this world. You know, they talk that in, in terms like that about him. So for some people, mm. the credulous, it it obviously works. And the funny thing is that he explicitly says, like, I'm just a man, you know, I'm I'm just saying what I think and, you know, helping people along their way. But I, I don't believe in, in God. I don't believe there are gods and I don't believe in the, the, the spiritual element necessarily. He says, basically, this is just a philosophy. So he explicitly says that to his followers, um, quite a lot, actually. And so it's surprising that they still react in that way, despite even what he's saying, which <laughs> says to me that there's, something, there's some sort of structure of these sorts of followings. Uh, I think it's safe to call it a cult, although, you know, you could question it. We will be talking about, um, in the next episode, Scientology. So... I, I will unreservedly say that's a cult, but you know, there's, um, it, it doesn't seem to have um, the, the sort of Osho following. There, there are some aspects that are a bit culty, but not so much. But I think the way in which the actual followers act, they act like they're in a cult, but I don't think he does all that he could be doing to have a very stratified sort of culty structure Whereas the Church of Scientology behind me is like the perfect example, I think. Uh, let me say one thing about uh, this clip. He's deliberately very vague. 
And this was a way of dodging the question because there were a lot of questions about his, let's say, movement and whether it was, um, the, 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 whether it involved a form of sometimes abuse, emotional, psychological abuse, because they were having Osho centers around the, the earth. <laughs> yeah. And they were going and they were doing really weird stuff. And they had several stages, and one of it was uh, unleash your energy. And they were going like a group, and they were, you know, ha hitting each other. They were forcefully detaining others. They were doing all sorts of things. And there were questions, and that this is where most probably the reporter is getting at. You know that there have been rumors about you know several bad practices in your, let's say, centers or people in your name are doing these things. Mm. And he's giving an answer that basically this does not address the reporter entirely. Well, he's addressing the audience. He, he doesn't care about the reporter. He doesn't care about the... He's saying what he thinks his audience is gonna like. And it, it's so vague mm. that, okay, the only content that he has is that he thinks it's okay to, to, uh, to be, let's say, in favor of the sexual revolution because I think he he tied his movement as a he branded his movement as a form of spiritualism that is consistent with materialism and the sexual revolution. And I think there is a something that could be sinister. It could escalate. But again, yes, I don't think he was. I, there there are worse people, of, yeah. of course. But one thing is that I think that there is some merit, and I respect people. Sorry, I respect people who come in, they say, okay, this is what I think is right. This is what my code of ethics involves. And you will have to make some, within quotation marks, sacrifices. What I dislike in this vague rhetoric is that it's okay. You know, every, every, there is a sort of anything goes. He, not exactly anything goes, but he sort of tells people that you can be enlightened, you can achieve the highest good without making sacrifices. And I think that's a really weird message because when morality is hard, it's difficult, it's not easy. He was basically telling them that uh, many people thought it was uh, hard and it's not hard, it's, it's far easier than you think. So don't, know, don't make sacrifices, don't fast, don't uh, do things. Well, I, I disagree with two things you said there. Okay. The first of all is that I don't think the question, the, the guy asking the question was asking about the, the violence in those things. He was he, he deliberately brought up Hugh Hefner of Playboy. So I think he was talking about the more the debauchery aspect, particularly in America, which I think this is being filmed in yeah. uh, at the time. Uh, the, the Americans had a reputation for him not only being a bit filthy rich, but also that because of how secretive the the compound was, okay. there was speculation about them having like orgies and things like that. Um, and I think that there was a lot of free love, but it, I don't think it was quite to that degree where it was some weird sex cult where that was what it was all about. Although there does seem to be some sort of element of that. And also I think that, I, I think that what he was getting at with the, the sacrifice thing that you mentioned, I don't think, uh, I, I don't, necessarily remember whether he uses the word sacrifice but he's he's talking about sort of asceticism isn't he where you know deliberately starving yourself because you believe it leads to enlightenment or deliberately inflicting suffering on yourself i forgot what it's called but where people like whip themselves flogging um, flagellation self-flagellation yes that's it thank you um 
those sorts of practices because he's talking about um, things in the context of, well, other religions suggest you do all of these horrible things to yourself um, because it gets you close to God. I reject that. And I think actually, yes, um, perhaps listening to your body because it's part of your soul is, is better for you. And I actually agree with that sentence. I think it's all nonsense. How does he know one way or another? How does anyone know one way or another? I don't think he said anything there. The guy accused him of some sort of perhaps just uh, open love, whatever. And he said, yeah, it was, I'm a spiritual playboy. Yeah, I never said I wasn't. Yeah. He's not, he hasn't really mm -hmm. said anything. Um, and like, wh where does he get his knowledge from or his wisdom? Like, this is, th you're not enlightened if you do this and you are if you do this. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's what a celebrity <clears throat> would say, the way right. a celebrity would answer. I'm, I'm very, very um, cynical, sort of in the, in, the, in the Socratic sense. So I don't think anyone's got the answers. I'm, I'm very suspicious of anyone like him, even like someone like Tim Robbins or any sort of self-help person, any leader. It's like, what, what do you know? You don't know any better than anyone else. You were born into this world and uh, you've got no special knowledge because nobody has particularly. Like you know what enlightenment is. You know what, what, what is correct and what isn't. You know you've mastered morality and ethics. Have you? Have you? No, you haven't. <laughs> Because nobody has. Who is this guy? Is, I think what just, you're getting at is just the amount of certainty with which he speaks. It's nonsense. Yeah. This is the correct thing for your spirit. This is what enlightenment is. Mm -hmm. I think oh, more, is it Osho? Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, bro. Thanks for letting me in on it. I think the most reasonable way to talk about these sorts of issues is just say, well, I think this, or I think it's likely that it's this. And then that expresses a reasonable amount of doubt. When people start using words that express absolute certainty, even though deep down they probably aren't absolutely certain. Like, he, he acknowledges that, yeah, I'm constantly changing my mind. Contradictions are good. This is in another clip that I've not included. But if you're not contradicting yourself over time, then you're not developing. And so, you know, a contradiction is actually a good thing because it's a sign that you're, you're progressing as a person. And so you you know these these things can change you can be wrong and if you so he also says that but also his delivery and how he expresses what he's saying more serves um a sort of way of convincing people that he knows what he's on about rather yeah. than actually being accurate about uh, using the most precise language possible to express what he believes that's another thing you said uh, where he never claimed to be a god or anything like that mm -hmm. even though i think one of his titles Bagram or something mm -hmm. um, has got connotations in in Hindi or whatever whatever language it is of being mm -hmm. a godlike. Anyway, um, he always said to his his flock, um, you know, don't treat me as godlike, and they did it all the more. That's a classic. That's a classic tactic. You know, like from Augustus claiming to be merely the first citizen, so yeah. people are more likely to say, "Oh no, you're far more than that." Um, there's lots and lots of religious and cult leaders, I think, uh, uh, who said, you know, don't worship me. And it just makes people do it the more. I think of maybe Francis of Assisi or, mm -hmm. um, or um, I don't know, Marcus Garvey. <laughs> don't even know Marcus Garvey. <laughs> he, uh, well, it's a long story. I'll tell you about it another time. But mm -hmm. he's Rastafarians. Um, <laughs> oh, right. Um, worshipped him as, um, and he was, a, he was a Christian. He wasn't a Rastafarian. He was a bit not embarrassed by it but he was like he thought it was sort of yeah, he wasn't a rastafarian he was a christian uh, anyway the point is he said don't i'm not a, i'm not a god stop stop it 
and it didn't it didn't stop them whatsoever of course um so that's a tactic so i don't want to be your leader i i really please please don't but no the, the psychology means. of that is fairly straightforward that people are gonna be like oh he's the guy then I that's think proof it is also mm. plausible deniability for uh, the external image of that association mm. say no no i'm not saying i'm divine i'm telling you i'm not divine mm -hmm. i've noticed that same trend throughout history though that you you were pointing out that people quite often who are most savvy to how to maintain a prominent position in society they claim that they're of lower status than they really are and that makes them seem humble even though a lot of the time if you're sort of savvy to why they're doing it you're just like hang on a minute i know what you're up to you're you're just trying to kind of conceal your position at the top of a hierarchy rather than actually being humble if you were humble you wouldn't have been in that position in the first place really well, it's a classic thing in sort of um the the roman empire mid to late roman empire where you wanted to be the emperor but you couldn't or you could but you instead of choosing just to march on rome or ravenna or constantinople you would get other people senators or generals to proclaim you emperor and of course it's all about you it was you you're the heart of it all but instead of just taking it and claiming it you let others do it for you and that gives that that sort of immediately lends you a, a lot more legitimacy well, um, it, so like like uh uh osho uh he he might claim you know don't don't worship me but the people around him he would he would be encouraging them to revere him still though yeah well some of the things that we're going to be getting on to later mm. do seem to suggest that there was a certain amount of encouragement which of i very much disagree with i think oh, yeah. it's kind of creepy weird and very narcissistic to be honest yeah of course um yeah if anyone's not haven't got the idea yet this guy's a, a charlatan in my opinion it's well just, uh... I, I think charlatan is a strong word because i think he does i think he's making genuine attempts to understand the world and and, and say what he he thinks to a certain extent but he, the way he delivers it and also his reasons for doing so are less than, than spiritual, I think. I think he's basically yeah. made a lot of money doing this. And um, I think that he would have taken a different route once we... I'm going to go through sort of his younger life and, and talk about his story and how it got to that point of him being on, on television and all that sort of stuff. And we're going to kind of break down why we think he, he is the way he is. And my... Um, expectation is that you're both going to agree with me that yeah he probably did believe stuff he's got some genuine convictions but he's capitalizing on it for um, power and, and money and fame really that you know lots of other um, people do the same thing but it's um, somewhat of a mask I think hmm. sorry Stella she Yes, I wanted to just say one one really interesting expression that uh, Christopher Hitchens said about Osho because he was documenting the story of the cult. And he said that basically Osho, if you just uh, saw what Osho says, it's basically innocuous teaching. But he had a weird sign outside the door when uh, people went in, which said shoes and minds are to be left here. And he says it's really it's really bad when people are told to just leave their mind. Mm. And I've read some of the some of the books that Osho that have his 
speeches, let's say, and he was saying that, no, logic divides things. You should forget logic. You should transcend logic. And let's go to the world where nothing is divided, everything is united. <coughs> Leave logic aside. And I think that's the, the dangerous thing. When we forget mm -hmm. reason and when mm -hmm. we start saying that reason is a bad thing, that is, is neither a cognitive tool nor a sort of element for practical guidance, I think that's when things mm -hmm. go badly. Thank you for watching that clip from my series Contemplations. If you want to sign up to the website for £5 a month, you can access that series, which comes out 1pm every Saturday. Thank you for watching and goodbye.